Hello, everybody. Welcome to tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Nice to chat to you again. And tonight we're in the saddle. It's all about pedal power coming up this Sunday. It's the 45th edition of one of the most iconic uh, bicycle races in the entire world. It is the Cape Town Cycle Tour, the 45th edition. And joining us is Andrew McLean. Andrew, thanks for your time. And I guess the excitement levels are getting higher and higher as the days go by. Absolutely. It's uh, it's the highlight of the year for most cyclists, and it really is a special weekend. So thanks for having me on the show. Over the years, and in particular the last couple of years, the disruptions with COVID and whatever, I think it's a great event coming up with uh, no restrictions anymore. The world has kind of opened itself up again, and uh, the cyclists, I guess, are looking so forward to another fantastic event. Absolutely. And one thing that COVID certainly taught us was to all appreciate these events. So uh, we already had a world-class event. And I think post-COVID, people are saying uh, they really miss these types of events. And, you know, this is an iconic weekend for cycling, I want to say, not just in the Western Cape. In fact, not even just in South Africa, because the day, the single day event attracts riders from all over the world. It, It really is something quite special. And it's not, I know it's a single day event, but it doesn't kind of just happen on the day and then go away because there's so many things from an economic input to the province, from social media, social events, from non-governmental organizations, from charity groups. It's a massive event for the province and the country. It is. And, you know, never mind the revenue and the jobs that it creates and of that. This event stimulates a lot of uh, road cycling throughout the year because a lot of the big events throughout the year are used as the seeding events. So people ride those events in order to be better seeded um, for the Argus. And then, of course, the actual weekend, you you know, you might spend anything from two and a half hours if you're a pro to seven or eight hours if you really enjoy the day. Um, but it's not just about the day. It's about the weekend. It's about the expo. It's about the pasta loading. It's about everything that goes around being in one of the most beautiful, iconic cities in the world with 30,000, 40,000 other cyclists who are all enjoying the weekend. So it, it, it really is something quite special to be part of. And I know you say it's not all about the, the money, but I mean, there's been so far almost 50 million rand redistributed around the Cape Peninsula in just the last five years through the Pedal Power Association and the Rotary Club of Claremont. I mean, a huge pat on the back to them and to everybody that supported this race. Absolutely. And uh, I think we've never needed more good news stories than we do right now. And these are two organizations in Pedal Power and Rotary who have done a phenomenal job of changing people's lives. And uh, well done to every cyclist who participates because they are all in some way, shape or form contributing to make this possible. So uh, never mind you enjoying your day. You're also changing lives of other people, a lot of them a lot less privileged than most of us. Isn't it amazing how when we look at the history of the race, 525 people started the race on a, a fun ride in October 1978, 45 events later, and here we are, an incredible event with tens of thousands of people participating and a whole new outlook on life thanks to cycling. Absolutely, and, and a lot of the South African cycling industry has a lot to thank 
the cycle to a fall because to a lesser degree now, because obviously we've got lots of other big events, EPSA, Cape Epic, et cetera, et cetera. But in the early years, they were the catalyst, the stimulus that really catapulted the cycling industry. So whether you're in retail, travel, distribution, importation, wherever you fit into the value chain, you've been able to enjoy some of the benefits that uh, Cycle Tour has afforded all of us. So they've done a phenomenal job just with the 50 million that they've raised for other people, but from stimulating our entire industry and allowing all of us to make a, a, a living out of it. So uh, we all owe them a pat on the back and a debt of gratitude. So let's go through the 109 kilometers. You obviously know it really well. Best spots for spectators. Let's look at it from that point of view to start with, as well as for the riders. Uh, Edinburgh Drive, up Blue Route, Paradise Road, nice place to watch. And one or two steep gradients going up there. Absolutely. Early on in the race, so, uh, you know, it's the bunches are still big. So it's a time where you need to be really careful because one of the challenges with these big events is you have a whole lot of riders around you that you obviously don't know their skill level. Some of them have been training in areas where they don't part of clubs and they're unable to ride in bunches and they're quite fit and strong and fast but they don't have the skill. So you've got to be a little bit careful and a little bit wary. The beauty of Edinburgh Drive is it certainly thins the pack out a little because once you get down onto the Blue Route, then, uh, of course, it's really fast, big bunches. And again, the number one issue for most people is just to stay out of trouble, be careful, do not overlap on the wheel in front, and the cardinal sin is do not look behind you. Everything that happens in front of you is yours to control everything that happens behind you you're not in control of so don't turn around to try and see what's going on because the minute you do that you turn your shoulders you turn your head and you go off your line you end up touching a wheel of another bike and of course you touch with your front wheel their back wheel you fall down and uh, they carry on riding so uh, make sure that you do not look behind you and you don't overlap on the wheel very, very good advice indeed. Okay, so now we've got past Edinburgh Drive, down Blue Route. Now we get onto possibly part of the most scenic, of which all parts of the race are scenic. But I just love this uh, Glen Cairn Beach, Musen Bay, Cork Bay. The locals are there. They're lining the road. The encouragement that's given to you. And you're still reasonably fresh at that stage, aren't you? You are. And the roads have got a little bit smaller um, as you say, the, the, the vibe and the hop has gone up and the, the bras are already going. You can smell the coffee. The scottles are working. And um, it can be fairly windy along this section. If it is windy, this is a time when you want to tuck in behind a few people, save a little bit of energy because, uh, you, as you said, you're feeling still fairly fresh, but you're going to need your legs a little bit later on because when we get to Chappies and Seikobos later on, you're certainly not feeling quite as fresh. So this is a time to uh, enjoy the vibe, but not waste too much energy. And uh, it's quite easy to get carried away because, as you said, it's one of the most scenic pieces. You've got the sea on your left, you've got the mountains on the right, and uh, it's early on, so you're feeling quite frisky. And then, of course, you go into that beautiful little town of Simonstown, the naval base through the town, the spectators there are some of the best on the route. And a lot of the riders seem to stop for a bit and have a cup of coffee and then carry on from there. 
Absolutely. And, and if, if you're not there to race and you're not going to win the event, why not stop and enjoy the day? As you say, the, the little square on the left in Simonstown has a huge water point. Great drinks, lots of food, lots of people, lots of vibe. And it's a great place to have a stop because just a few k's down the road, you're starting Smitsvinkel, which is the first real tester of the, of the route. So uh, not a bad place to top up your energy levels. And then, of course, once you've got over there, you get to Chappies, Nootook into Chappies. Wow. What more can I say about Chapman's Peak? And you don't have to pay the toll fee as you go through either. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's got to be one of the most iconic pieces of cycling route in the world. And it's always interesting when uh, top pros from all over the world who race all over the world ride that piece, they all say, wow, it, it truly is something quite special. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's so wow that often you forget about the pain, you forget about um, the gradient and everybody's in good spirits. You're starting to already start thinking about the finish line and um, you're cruising along arguably one of the best pieces of um, cycling road in the world. And then, of course, you go through Hout Bay and things are going fine. And as you move out of Hout Bay, there's Seika Bossy, just to kind of like give you that last, the road and the event is going to take you on before you get to the top of Seika Bossy. And the enthusiasm of the spectators along that part of the route certainly drives you up and over the top. It's probably the best supported um, kilometre or kilometre and a half on the entire route. It, it, it's almost at Tour de France Alpine stage level. It is, it, it's insane. And um, a lot of riders will find that they cramp going up Seikobosi, and that's normally because they've gone a little bit harder, a little bit quicker than they've actually trained for, which is quite normal. Um, my advice is you must almost see your finish line as the top of Seikobosi because once you get to the top of Seikobosi, you, you've got lots of freewheeling, lots of downhill, a little bit of flat towards the finish. So I see the top of Seikobosi as the finish line. Once once you're up there, you're basically home and dry. And uh, again, enjoy the crowds. Let them carry you up the hill. And by this stage, everybody's in good spirits now because uh, – they certainly can almost see the finish line from the top of uh, Seikobosi. And then, of course, as you mentioned, you're pretty much downhill. And once you go through Camps Bay, past Clifton, again, the, the spectators amp up as you then go through Seapoint and make your way through the promenade and finish in the shadow of that iconic World Cup soccer stadium, uh, the Cape Town Stadium, the DHL Stadium. And I guess... Uh, a huge sigh of relief you've got there. The race is over and the celebrations can begin. Absolutely. And, you know, as I said at the beginning, one of the fears for many cyclists is obviously crashing and being in these big bunches. So it is quite a relief when you get there and um, a relief to have finished, a relief to have made it because some people, this is their first time riding 100 kilometers. And um, you should enjoy the celebrations. Uh, it's not by any means the end of the day. And, uh, in fact, celebrations often go on for a day or two afterwards. So let's talk about the spectators on the route and give a little bit of advice to them. A couple of things that they should and they shouldn't do. I mean, one of the things that I know cyclists don't enjoy, even though they might want to get cooled down, is having water thrown over them or hose pipes being sprayed on them. Uh, tell us what, from a rider's point of view, you would appreciate from spectators and what you want. 
Well, the more cheering, the more excitement, the more clapping, the more whatever, the better. The more, the better the vibe, the easier the hell. One of the challenges these days is people, everyone's got a cell phone and everybody wants to get a selfie or a picture of the bunch coming past. The problem with a camera is it actually foreshortens the distance and often they get their timing wrong and they actually are in the way. It's not such a problem in the back bunches where everybody's moving a whole lot slower, but certainly with the pros, and this is the picture that everybody wants, and uh, of course, all too often we see really horrible accidents. So my advice is be really careful. Don't step out with your camera or even worse, you know, you, you want to get the selfie with you and um, Ryan Gibbons or whoever's sprinting to win the race in the background because that is a recipe for disaster. And all too often, it can cause a terrible accident. So uh, make sure you stay off those um, cell phones and, and just, you know, that's it's, it's a bit like your kids. You want to get them off the couch, off the iPad and outside enjoying the day, and it's the same for you. Put your cell phone away and enjoy the vibe of the day. And obviously things like the landscape, don't throw cigarette butts, March is pretty dry in the Cape, fires are obviously a big issue. And then I guess, I don't think there's anywhere else in the world where you can travel on a route where you can look to your left and see whales and dolphins on your right baboons. And then around the corner towards Cape Point, you've got quaggas and zebras and ostriches. I mean, look, let's look after the wildlife as well. Absolutely. And for the cyclists, Please do not drop litter. If you have a, a gel or an energy bar, just pop the packet back in your pocket. If every single person dropped two gels and one energy bar paper, can you imagine what that beautiful route would look like? Just put it in your pocket. When you get to the finish, you can just drop it in a bin. It, it really is uncool to be dropping litter anywhere in the world and particularly on, on that pristine piece of coastline. Who can we expect as favourites, do you think, in the men's and the women's race? Oh, I'm not sure. Um, typically, in terms of pros, it's not the hardest route in the world. So it often ends up being a bunch sprint. Um, if it ended on top of a big climb, we would see different results. But, um, you know, names like um, even Evergreen Nolan Hoffman comes to mind, uh, David Maria quite fancy because uh, he's a nuggety little guy. He can climb and he can sprint really well. He's been working hard on the track, so he's quite quick. Um, so it often ends up coming in down to a bunch sprint, which means it can often also be a lottery because, uh, you know, you just sometimes need to be in the right place at the right time and the bunch swings left, everything opens up for you and uh, next minute uh, you've got a clean run and uh, the favourites boxed in on the barrier. So, uh, but, th but that's what, what makes it fantastic. That means there are lots and lots of good riders who are in with a shot of winning. Henrietta Skuman, uh, pretty much the darling of the race. She's won it many times. Is she in this year? Do you know? I'm sure she'll be riding. Um, I think she's um, probably going to be riding to enjoy the day nowadays more than riding to win. And um, I think some of the, the younger guns would uh, probably be a little quicker than her these days. But uh, I've got no doubt she'll be there and enjoying the day. It's, it's, it's one of the highlights of her calendar. It is nice to see previous winners who are not necessarily wanting to compete to win. And I guess it's very difficult. And I'm sure you, you have that feeling deep down in your stomach whenever you want to go out and ride. You want to you win. But I mean, eventually you get to a point where
where you realize that you're not good enough any longer or your age just caught up with you and they are young guns. Is it difficult to go out and ride it as just a social event? It allowed us to win when we were young. And um, the beauty of these events and age category, not necessarily the race overall. And then, of course, uh, a lot of the top pros um, get involved with corporates, take a corporate group around, help them give advice, maybe give a motivational talk the night before in a, in a fines meeting or a, some kind of a ceremony the evening after the event. So uh, they get paid by these corporates to come in and add a bit of value back to their customers and um, their staff. So th- there's a lot of ex-pros who are still very, very involved with the event. Now, let's just talk briefly, if we may, because it's all not all about the race. The expo, from a commercial point of view, from getting all sorts of goodies that these days from Lycra to whatever else you can, is massive, not only for the cyclists, but also for the uh, cycling industry. Absolutely. And uh, the, the expo is world class. I mean, it's, it's the de facto expo of the year. Everybody who's anybody distributes um, puts up a, a stand of sorts to show their wares. Importers, retailers, sells well. There would be things like um, nutrition is a big one, and um, tires, tubes, bombs. You know all those consumable new high tech bikes on show. So you go over it and uh, maybe start putting a few pennies away for for your next dream bike. Let's just uh, talk about Cape Town as as a destination at the moment. I mean, we have so far this year and still to come some of the biggest events in the history of this province. And it just seems to be getting bigger and better. Absolutely. I mean, you, you just have to see the exodus of people from the areas like Johannesburg and Pretoria down to the Cape um, for many, many reasons. And one of them being just world-class riding and world-class events. I mean, on the road, you've got the Argus and off-road, you've got the Absa Cape Epic, and everything in between. So uh, the terrain is great. The city is great. The government down there is doing a great job. Um, So uh, a lot of cyclists are finding a a home down there that suits their lifestyle. Andrew, if we can turn our attention just to cycling around the world for now. I mean, Paris-Nice is currently on at the moment. The big tours are starting to come thick and fast. The sports is once again growing in popularity in terms of the size of the professional teams, the number of professional riders there are out there, and the number of teams that they are competing in these big events. I mean, uh, in Europe, it's just absolutely phenomenal. I was lucky enough to go and um, enjoy a few stages of the Tour de France, and I got to go in the lead vehicle from beginning to end of one of the Tour de France stages. So it was, I don't know, 220-odd kilometers. Wall-to-wall people for 220 kilometers, realizing that some of those people we went past, the bunch were still an hour behind us. It is just phenomenal, the support. And again, the the economic consequences of these events. Um, And thanks Thanks to Supersport, because um, we get a lot of these events on TV and we're able to enjoy them. So, uh, you know, whether it's cross country or one of the three big grand tours, we're able to follow them on Supersport, which really has made a difference. And again, another catalyst that has helped us to grow the sport of cycling.
Do we have any South African names that we can watch going forward in these big tours? Well, obviously, Louis Mankies comes to mind. Um, again, phenomenal year last year. I really enjoyed watching him win that stage in the Vuelta because he wasn't any longer worrying about whether he would come 8th, 10th or 12th in the Vuelta. He said, I'm going to win a stage of the Vuelta, which he did. Of course, uh, coming um, second on Alp d'Huez in the Tour de France was phenomenal. Ellen Happily off-road, absolutely unbelievable. Candice Lowe, she's riding fantastically, just won the marathon um, champs. Matt Beers, we've got a host of world-class riders in this country, and um, a lot of them are now starting to ply their trades overseas, and uh, it's great to see them doing really well. I didn't mention Ryan Gibbons. He's a name to watch in the classics. And uh, to ride in the classics, you've got to be a special kind of rider. You've got to be strong. You've got to have unbelievable skill. It's freezing cold. The wind blows. It's The, the conditions are terrible. And he's excelling, which is, is absolutely phenomenal. So I'd watch watch out for Ryan Gibbons. And also, I mean, we keep talking about cycle tours and, and, and Tour de Francis and whatever. There's mountain biking, BMX, freestyle, there's trials, there's cycle cross, there's indoor cycling, there's even cycling on esports now. It's just evolved from, you know, two wheels and a set of front and back brakes and a couple of gears to something that is so advanced and so sophisticated. It is. And um, just speaking of esports, I mean, COVID just catapulted a platform like Zwift. And um, it's, it's, it's amazing to see world champs, you know, and even more remarkable is that Supersport is showing this on TV. So, uh, you know, the world is changing unbelievably quickly. And um, all these various disciplines are starting to enjoy great exposure and great support, which is all good for the greater sport of cycling. Let's get back to the cycle tour on Sunday. Where and what should uh, your average cyclist be doing over the next three days before the race to get themselves their final preparations? So the golden rule now is you cannot get any fitter. The best thing you can do is rest because all you can do is make yourself tired if you if train too hard between now and So my advice is, if in doubt, leave it out. So if you're not sure whether you should be riding or not, chances are you should take an, a rest day. On the nutrition front, a lot of people make the mistake of going to the expo and changing their nutrition thanks to a good salesman and um, because uh, this is going to take 10 minutes of your time. My advice, again, is just stick to what you've trained on. Sure, you can buy the new super-duper nutrition, but use that after the event is finished where you can start um, with a weaker dilution and start to see that it doesn't aggravate your stomach and it works for you. If there was one magic potion nutrition that was that much better than everything else, I promise you everybody in the world would use it. So stick to what you you know. Make sure the night before you pin your numbers on, you get everything ready, you go to bed early. If you don't have a good night's sleep, don't worry. There's another 40,000 odd that didn't sleep either. Um, get up early, get to the start early. When um, there are thousands and thousands of cyclists in the dark, it can be quite daunting to find your way around and into the correct pens. So rather get there a little bit earlier. And then, of course, just enjoy the day. It really is a festival of cycling. And um, if you're not there to try and break records, then stop, enjoy the water points, talk to the spectators, talk to your fellow competitors, 
and just embrace the day on a bicycle. Yeah, interesting you mentioned that because I've just been out the country for almost a month and when I got back, I couldn't believe how quickly the uh, sunrise had changed. The sun only comes up at about quarter to seven in the morning now in Cape Town. So good point there. With regards to the weather, don't be deceived, I guess, on the, the day. It's going to only be 22 degrees, 15 kilometer wind, but I guess hydrate irrespective of whether you feel the heat or not. Yes, absolutely. Um, and a lot of people, because they're riding in these big bunches and it's stressful, they are quite tentative to take their hand off the handlebars to reach down and get their water bottle. And then often what happens, they get to somewhere like Simonstown and they haven't had a sip of anything because they're just too nervous. Too many people, bunches moving too fast. I don't want to get dropped. Don't want to get... And before you know it, you become dehydrated and then come... Sekabosi, of course, you start to cramp and uh, you lose all the time you've made up. So make sure that you take small sips often. And uh, if you're nervous, just ease your way to the side of the bunch or just off the back of the bunch. Have your sip, put your bottle back in and then get back into the slipstream. A very high UV count of seven for the race on Sunday with a 25 degree temperature. So I guess sunscreen and everything else, a hat, a cap. Just keep yourself away from as best you can from the sun or protection from the sun. Absolutely. Make sure it, it often feels quite odd when you're in the dark in a hotel room somewhere applying sunscreen, but uh, put on more than you think. You can't go wrong. Andrew, it's always a pleasure chatting to you. We look forward to an outstanding race and also to a successful season for the South African riders applying their trade on the international scene. Andrew McLean, thank you for joining us on From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's tonight's show. Get onto the bike, into the saddle, and go out there and pedal your way around the beautiful parts of our wonderful country. And you don't have to do it to compete in the cycle tour. Just do it for a bit of fun. Get yourself healthy and fit. Get off the couch. That's tonight's edition. Although, stick around between 6 and 6.30 on the couch to listen to from the boardroom to the locker room. As always, be nice to each other. Until next time, bye-bye.